0: This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glynn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glynn, and this is episode 12 of the On The Banks Podcast, our week three Rutgers football preview. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11, and you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud. Search OTB underscore SB Nation. And you can find all of our previous episodes at OnTheBanks.com. With football season, men's and women's soccer, field hockey all underway, make sure to follow all the coverage on those teams at OnTheBanks.com. I will be joined by NJ.com, Steve Politi, and Kansas City stars Jesse Newell in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about my expectation for this Week 3 game against the Kansas Jayhawks. Rutgers no doubt dodged the bullet against Ohio State with Art Sitkowski's apparent shoulder injury not ultimately being much. You know, Coach Ash already said he is getting better every day, and while he's limited in practice this week, he's expected to play on Saturday. It is vital, however, for the Scarlet Knights to make sure that they run on Saturday similar to how they did against Texas State. This team is built on the ground, off the run, and the offense is dependent on establishing the run to succeed. You got a trio of backs, Hilleman, Blackshear, Pacheco, you can even throw in Trace Need as well. This team needs to be ground and pound heavy, establishing the line of scrimmage, right from the get-go. Speaking of the line, this is also a game for the offensive line to bounce back. You know, Kansas, while I'm sure they have talent on defense, they don't have people like Nick Bosa or Chase Young. On that defensive line like Ohio State did while the Jayhawks have playmakers you know none are to the caliber of those two players to recall on the left and every player down the line all the way to Kamal Seymour on the right they need to bounce back give Art some time and make sure they provide holes for the backs to pick up yards on first and second down third and short are key for the Scarlet Knights this game against Kansas if they get into third and long even third and medium, it's going to make it a lot harder for this offense to convert and to keep drives going. They need to constantly try to get third and two, third and three. If that happens, then good things will happen. This is a big game for Rutgers' bowl hopes, and a win this week would you know, ultimately help put this team back on track the way most fans thought the season would go. I think the Scarlet Knights behind the rushing game will come out on top and will be 2-1 heading home to take on Buffalo on September 22nd here on the Banks. Now, let's talk to the reporters. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. It was a tough loss to Ohio State, and now Rutgers moves on to Week 3 as they head to Lawrence to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. Joining me to talk last week's game and what Rutgers fans can look forward to this week is NJ.com sports columnist Steve Politi. Steve, thanks so much for coming on the On the Banks podcast.
1: No problem, Lance. Glad to do it.
0: So let's start with the end of the first half in the Ohio State game. Around 10 seconds left, Art Sitkowski drops back. Gets leveled by Nick Bosa, stands up with what looks like a shoulder injury. I just want to know when that happened and when you first saw the play. What were your initial thoughts on on the, both the play call and then what ultimately ended up ensuing?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, thought, I thought it was an outrageous play call to to have him passing in that situation. You know, we're talking thirty five nothing. The ball was you know in, in the thirty five yard line for Rutgers. They had run the ball into the into the line the, the previous two plays, clearly trying to get out of halftime, which they should have gotten out of halftime. Uh, you know without any more damage you know to drop him back to pass on a day when clearly they couldn't block both or really anybody else uh, it just it just was coaching negligence I thought I think I think they got very lucky that that Art wasn't hurt uh, more than he was you know it looked bad that was, was a huge hit uh, so this is one tough quarterback they've got and they should be fortunate for that but you know and I think in hindsight you know both uh, Chris Ash and John McNulty also realized that that was not the uh, not the wisest move. Uh, and it's a good thing that he he again, he, was, he wasn't there worse.
0: You know, a lot of fans viewed the Ohio State game as a way. Well, before the game, at least to kind of judge the progress in year three under Coach Ash, you know, how far has this team gotten? Obviously, the game, the way it ended up. A lot of fans weren't very happy with the result. Should fans, though, see the game and say, "Look, there's no progress being made," or do you think there has been progress, even though the score was so lopsided?
1: You know, I, I don't see that the talent level is really the gap is closed all that much at all. You know, that, that was the one. That was the one jarring thing for me as well. Uh, and part of that is that you know, again, Ohio State is by far the most talented team for us to play this year. I, I don't think it's really going to be close. So that's part of it. But also. You know, if you were looking to see, all right, well, you know, this is year three under Chris Ash. He's had had a couple of recruiting classes. All right, let's see what his team looks like measuring up against a team like that. And, you know, it's just the the speed, uh, the overall strength, the the depth. I mean, these are things that are still look as gap as wide as it was when we started. Uh, You know, if that's the case against other teams this year, I think it'll be a bigger concern. You know, if they don't measure up better against uh, some of the other tough teams on their schedule, Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, certainly, if they don't play well against these, in these next two games, there will be real. There'll be real uh, red flags and 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 flares going up all over Piscataway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I understand the fans who had, had thought, okay, we're not going to win this game, but it'd be nice if it was a little closer than this.
0: Look, he got hurt at the end of the half. Obviously, didn't play in the second half. And even when he was playing, obviously, not much success offensively. But the way he performed, I guess, would you or what kind of grade would you give the way Art kind of played in that first half? And you know, you mentioned it took that beating that really came to him from Nick Bosa and Chase Young and others.
1: Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I can't. You know, it's hard to grade him because you know he's constantly on the run, took a lot of hits, and his receivers aren't helping him. And this is a bigger concern. You know, I I expected a little bit more from from guys like Bo Melton and and you know Javi dropped the pass and. You know, even the, the pass to Jerome Washington and that could have been really changed the game, uh, just went off his hands and that that was again it was a bit of been, would have been a tough catch, but you got to make those catches sometimes. You know, he's he's a guy who thinks he's gonna play on Sundays. You know, that that's a play that uh, good tight ends should bring in. So uh, he didn't have a lot of help certainly. Uh, you know, and against a defense like that, a couple of mistakes and all of a sudden it's twenty one nothing. And then you know, I think what happened, it, it, they just were dropping back into cover two and they're. Situation where you know Art didn't couldn't find anybody open, so I, I, it's hard to give him a grade. I'll be much more interested if he is healthy and if he does play. to see how he does against a team that's more even like Kansas this week.
0: So in his press conference, Coach Ash said that he expects Art to play on Saturday. You know, obviously to the delight of every Rutgers fan. You know, you immediately, as you mentioned it before, you see that injury and you you think the worst, right? Do you think that what happened with that play that? John McNulty and Chris Ash they're going to exercise really even more caution with the freshmen than they already, you know, are do you see you know that we know they want to be a ground and pound team? Do you see even more use of the running back, you know, with Hillman and Blackshear and Pacheco, do you see even more use of them than there already has been in the first two games?
1: Yes, absolutely. I think there's there's little there's little question that they're going to try to run the ball against Kansas. Uh, You know, Kansas is better defensively. They're they're actually not bad if you look at the numbers strictly. Uh, But, you know, I think that Rutgers should be able to run the ball. They should be able to move the sticks that way. Uh, It just makes a lot of sense. You know, they've said again and again that Black Shear is their best player. They're probably right. I think Pacheco, you know, a lot of people who have seen him at practice think he could emerge their best player. And And they love the fact that Hillman's a leader. He's a tough kid. You know, so they've got options in the backfield. Uh, you know, so I, I almost certainly expect them to, to try to establish the run, which of course would take a lot of pressure off Art. Uh, you know, if he and if he is a little banged up, you know, that's going to be that's going to be a situation where they're going to want to obviously find some way to protect him a little bit more. You know, be that with you know different cover schemes or you know just I mean it sounds simple, but just just blocking better. Period. You know, there's so many breakdowns uh, on the offensive line last
0: week. So let's move on to the Kansas game. And this is one where Rutgers fans, they've had it circled as a win. You know, we've also seen, however, in the past few years that Rutgers struggled in non-conference, and a win this week would at least guarantee them a 2-1 non-conference record. Although, you know, we're only two games into the season, would you kind of put this game into a must-win category for the Scarlet Knights for their bowl hopes and just to kind of help the team get back on track after Ohio State?
1: Yes, it's an absolute must-win. I think it's we were talking about this. Uh, on our podcast, I think this is the most important game of Chris Ash's tenure so far. You know, it's it, all right. This is your third year. If you're going to show some improvement in year three, uh, you know, you, you beat Kansas. You beat a, the worst team in Power Five, a team that's four and thirty-four, which I mean, ridiculously terrible record. Uh, you know, you, you got to win this game. Uh, and if they do win it, okay, you're two and one. You got Buffalo. I know fans have, you know, they, they remember what happened against Eastern Michigan. They certainly will not chalk it up as a W against a pretty good Buffalo team, but then, you know, an opportunity goes three and one, and then you're like, all right, well, we're exactly where we thought we, we, we could be. Now, now you've got a season where, all right, you can steal three games in, in the Big Ten, which is, I mean, there's, you know, there there, there are going to be opportunities to do that. Uh, then all, all of a sudden, you know, this could be the kind of season where, you know, not only do you see improvement on the field, but you also see it in the win-loss record. So I think this is a huge game. Uh, there's really no path to a successful season that includes the loss.
0: You, you've seen Rutgers fans on on social media, on on message boards, and everything. And I feel like they're kind of taking this Kansas team for granted. And look, you know, you mentioned it—the four and thirty-four record, whatever it is. They're still a Power 5 Big 12 school. They're still playing at home. Do you think Rutgers fans are kind of taking this Kansas team for granted because, you know, they're Kansas. They've been so bad for so long, and the last time Rutgers fans saw them really was a twenty-seven fourteen 14 win for Rutgers at home at High Point Solutions Stadium?
1: Maybe. I, the, most of the Rutgers fans, I thought, they'd take absolutely nothing for granted, to be clear. You know, I think there's a lot of <laughs> realistic fans who do not, you know, they— They've just been burned a lot. They've seen some bad losses over the years, you know that they're gonna they're gonna be chewing their nails down to you know to the absolute nubs here during this game. But I'm sure there are some fans that yeah, I mean they look at this and say this is a game Rutgers should win. That's the reason why this game's on the schedule, and and absolutely it is. I mean there's there's they're right, you know. So it's hard to argue that uh, you know to take, to take it for granted. I mean certainly it's different from expecting a win, and I think. In year three under under coaching staff, when you have a team with more talent and a program that's had better success, better track record, this is, yeah, absolutely. I can't, I can't blame them for expecting a win. Certainly, they take it for granted. It's the wrong thing. But, you know, they're, they're, you should be optimistic if you're, if you're a Rutgers fan.
0: So looking at this Rutgers team, you know, again, we mentioned it before, not many positives take away from Ohio State. But to you specifically, what needs to get righted before Saturday's game? You know, what does Rutgers need to improve on before Kansas to really help this team become more consistent and really, really hit the ground running?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it is hard to compare the two teams, obviously. I mean, you know, easy fix, pass defense when when, when you have a, opposing team that completes 30 of 33 passes that clearly that that was a big problem i think that starts with the inability to get a pass rush against a couple of mobile quarterbacks and a very good Ohio State offensive line they won't have that same challenge against the Kansas offensive line so you would think the first thing would be they got to pressure the quarterback they got to force some mistakes some incompletions uh and you would you would hope that they'd be a little bit more healthy on the back end and they'd be able to you know to uh, get some more stops and hope make get some more turnovers. Uh, that's on defense. On offense, I just want to see any receiver show the ability to get separation. You know, and that just comes back in and, and you know, it, it hurts so much about the, the progress that the young receivers have made. I know they're all young uh, and they've, they've kind of raved about Lester urban and what they've done for that group. we got to see it now. This is, this is a week where, you know, going against Kansas, uh, there should be an opportunity to make some plays in the passing game downfield, uh, and that, you know, throw some throws, some long throws. This is the chance to do it. So I-, I wanna see some of that.
0: And what about on the injury front? You know, obviously Bless on Austin is, is banged up. I think Chris Ash said he's a week to week. Kai Hester, Trey Avery, other guys who are banged up, of course Art Sikowski, but Ash already said he expects him to play. What are you hearing on the injury front, specifically in the defensive backfield?
1: Yeah, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know when we're gonna see Bless Austin. That that's that's a Really interesting situation there. Uh, you know, it's got a—he he hasn't declared it a long-term injury, but it's got a feel of a long-term injury. You know, I, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if you do see Kai Hester. I'm not sure about Trey Avery, um, but you know, anyone getting any one of those guys back would be a boost because you know I think you saw I guess, certainly against Ohio State's very talented receivers. You know what happens when you have youth at that position? It's just you know when you have an 18-year-old kid running around, running around back there. Uh, you know, one misstep, one mistake, and all of a sudden it's a, it's a 40-yard pass play. So um, I doubt, however, that you'll, you're going to get Bless Austin back this week, and that would be the one guy I think that, you know, he's he's kind of irreplaceable. He's, uh, you know, their best player at, at going into the season. So um, hopefully, you know, at some point this season he plays again, but that, that's really up in the air, I think.
0: All right, Steve. So I'm going to put you on the spot now. Prediction time for you. You, you know, you have the power to make Rutgers fans very happy. Does Rutgers yeah. leave Kansas with a two one record? You know, will they come out victorious on Saturday?
1: I think they will. I think they're better. I think they're more talented. Uh, you know, I, 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 they, I don't think that. You know, the way they lost last week is going to be something. You know, Chris Ash said it best. You know, don't let Ohio State beat you again. Uh, I, I think they're they're going to avoid that. You know, the big thing is, all right, as long as there's just, if if Kowski plays and he doesn't have the Texas State three turnover kind of performance, you would think that they would be be able to move the ball. You think they'd be able to score. So I'm I'm going uh, Rutgers 28 to 10. So that's. An easy day for the Scarlet Knights. I don't. I'm not sure that's going to make the Rutgers fans happy or not to pick that.
0: Is there? Is there really ever? You know, is there really ever an easy day for Rutgers? Is there really ever an easy day for Scarlet Knights uh, football or Scarlet Knights fans? I, you know, if there is, I, I feel like I haven't seen one. Uh, when I was a student here and I was an alum, I don't think I've ever seen a, an easy day uh, for Rutgers in general. Not even football. Just at Rutgers.
1: There was a time, young man, <laughs> in the 2000s when there were easy days. I swear. And they're, there can be again. Can
0: be have one on Saturday. <laughs> you can follow him on Twitter at Steve Politi and read him at NJ.com. Steve, if you're headed out to Kansas, uh, I guess enjoy everything it has to offer. And, um, yeah. you know, uh, enjoy your trip there. I'm sure it'll be a fun one. Not one I'm sure you make very often, but, uh, you know, enjoy, first, enjoy, first, first enjoy Lawrence. I hope there's
1: just a big plate of barbecue or something. It's got to be. I've been to Kansas City before. I think you can eat well, find a steak out there. We
0: should be okay. All right, Steve. Thanks so much for coming on the On the Banks podcast.
1: No problem, Lance.
0: The Kansas Jayhawks have a lot of momentum coming off a 31-7 to road victory against Central Michigan, and now they head back home to take on our Scarlet Knights. To talk about Jayhawks football, I am now pleased to be joined by Kansas football and basketball reporter for the Kansas City Star, Jesse Newell. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on and giving us some of your time on the On the Banks podcast.
2: Yeah, no problem.
0: So this Kansas team, you know, it's a much different one uh, than the team that faced the Scarlet Knights back in New Jersey three years ago. However, one constant is head coach David Beattie. You know, back then he was in year one. Now he's in year four. Under his leadership, how have you seen the program as a whole improve from 2015 to where it is right now?
2: Well, that's actually a good question to be asking this week because I think a lot of people, if they were asked that question last week, they would have had trouble coming up with an answer. Uh, just because of the, the lack of success KU had had. You know, going into last week, David Bay was 3-34 in his four seasons at Kansas. And so, um, you know, Jeff Long, a new athletic director with KU, he actually released a statement after the first win because enough of his beat writers had contacted him to basically say, hey, uh, you know, the process is ongoing of evaluating the, the, the coach uh, at Kansas. And so I uh, know there's no timeline right now, so they're going to continue evaluating. So David Bay still is a guy very, very much on the hot seat at Kansas just because of the record he's had but you know last week was one of the biggest highlights of his career uh KU winning 31 to 7 at Central Michigan and you know if you're just talking big picture with the program you know there's been lots of articles written about what he's tried to do with the scholarship numbers uh, Charlie Weiss when he was in here he he came in and basically booted 15 to 20 guys off pro, out of the program uh, immediately kind of as a purge and then he signed a bunch of JUCO guys and a lot of which did not end up on campus or didn't end up academically eligible. So. It left KU in a scholarship deficit, and David Beatty, over time, has tried some creative ways to try to get KU back to scholarship numbers. Some of it has worked. Some of it has been a little bit of a gamble Uh, this year, especially with, like, blue-shirt players he's brought in and graduate transfers, and so it it might hurt them down the line. But I think if you're going to say a positive for him, that might be the number one thing. It's just that, over time, he's tried to at least get the scholarship numbers to a respectable level, so... Uh, in the future, they might not face the same crisis as they had years past. Like I said, they might a little bit because they took on a lot of uh, blue shirts and, it, and graduate transfers this year. So next year's recruiting class is going to be kind of small. But I think if most fans are going to point to a positive for him, I, it definitely hasn't been on-field results until last week. <laughs> it would be kind of behind-the-scenes stuff with the program and trying to get the numbers to a place they need to be.
0: So this Jayhawks team, it went from you know no momentum to a lot of it really in about a week. You know, they lost in Week 1 to FCS opponent Nichols State and then obviously beat Central Michigan on the road last week, 31-7. to I think their first road victory uh, since 2009, if I'm correct. You know What changed from how they came out and performed to start the year against Nichols State compared to how they played last week in their win uh, over uh, Central Michigan?
2: You know, the biggest thing, if you just want to point to one stat in particular, uh, and then this stat is haunted, Kansas, uh, under David Beatty, uh, is turnovers. You know, if you get turnovers— and uh, you're able to, to take the ball away and then not turn over yourself. Um, you know, Bill Conley is a great stat guy on SB Nation. He's kind of done studies on this, and every turnover is worth about five points. And so KU wins the turnover battle last week 6 to nothing. Uh, so it doesn't take a rocket scientist or genius, just, a huge calculator guy, to know that, hey, that's 30 points that KU grabbed. And you might even count it a little bit more because one of them was a pick six. And so the defense really, really played well last week in Central Michigan now. I think part of that was Central Michigan's limitations and um, them not having great personnel up front and then not, not having a quarterback who could, you know, take advantage of maybe what KU gave them. But, you know, defensive coordinator Clint Bowen deserves credit because, uh, Central Michigan had six first half possessions. Five of them were three and out. Central Michigan had one, uh, one first down. And then the second half, KU's defense took it over, took it away five times. And so that's the biggest thing. I mean, KU's defense in, in week one was, was okay but had some big defensive laps where they didn't get on the field in time. They had substitution problems. They weren't set, you know, trouble getting the play call in. And it led to a couple really big nickel state plays, which ended up costing them in the loss. Um, last week, the defense was just so good for Kansas that uh, it really over overcame any deficiencies they had in any other area. The offense was okay. I mean, I, I graded as a C in the postgame grades, but it's really the defense that, that took a huge step forward last week and, and, and was able to not only – um, shut down Central Michigan, but also you know, score points of its own and get turnovers where you put the offense in great position. So uh, that's really the one thing, the one huge positive for KU right now is that um, the defense is looking like it's playing at a level that hasn't been seen around here in quite some time.
0: So let's look at some individuals on this team. You know, starting with the quarterback, Peyton Bender leads this team, only averaging about 160 yards per game through the air, you know, 60% completion percentage around that. What does he bring to the offense? You know, what are some of the things that he does really well from that quarterback spot?
2: Peyton's an interesting case study because he's a guy, he was at Washington State under Mike Beach, so you know your typical air raid guy. He was a backup, played a little bit there. Then he transferred to a junior college and after that, uh, picked him off from Kansas, decided to commit, and late in the process, Georgia actually got back on with him and uh, and he decided to stick with his commitment to KU. Uh, what you'll see from him is just a big arm. He he can make all the throws. Um, not super mobile, but in the first game against Nickel State, he scrambled a couple times to get first downs on third and long, so that's not what he wants to do, though. You'll see a lot of run-pass options from Kansas and him making the read. Uh, the biggest thing this year for him is—it's kind of like I spoke to in the last segment, which—or the last time, the last question is that uh, he hasn't turned the ball over uh, very often. There was one in the first game, which it looked like it could have been ruled a complete pass. He kind of had his arm hit as he was thrown forward. It got ruled a fumble, and then it wasn't overturned. And then last week, Ku once it built the lead, really didn't ask him to do too much, but he didn't turn it over. So. Right now, KU is uh, plus six in turnover margin, which is tied for number one in the nation. And, again, this has been a stat that's been dreadful for them for the last, I mean, ever since David Beatty took over last year, they were negative 17. I mean, we're talking bottom 10 nationally every single year. So um, they haven't asked him to do a whole lot, but, again, he hasn't screwed up, uh, especially last game when they had a lead and and wanted to take over. KU also might play Miles Kendrick some a little bit. He's a duco transfer, a little bit more elusive because a has got to get out of the pocket and we'll have more quarterback runs called for him but for Peyton Bender I think it's it's more of if they have these run pass options he's reading the guy and if that guy plays the run then he's going to make a quick pass to somebody if he doesn't then uh then he's going to hand it off and uh, last week a lot of that was handing off and letting some of KU's talent running backs take over and so um I, I would not say that he's a top half of the big 12 quarterback I don't think there's any question he's bottom half but uh, for what Kansas needs from him right now, they, they aren't asking him to take a lot of chances and they're not asking him to do too much and that resulted in the victory last week.
0: So let's talk about, you know, some of those talented running backs. One in particular freshman, Puka Williams Jr., he had a big game against Central Michigan, two touchdowns, hundred twenty five yards. How big for the offense was his emergence last game, you know, to help solidify the rushing game, to help Bender out until, you know, just help the offense out uh driving down the field.
2: Yeah, it was enormous. Um, the biggest thing, you know, he was not Available in the first game against nickel State, uh, and KU was just remained completely mum on this. Uh, you know, I would assume it's some sort of eligibility issue, um, but he was cleared basically the night before the, the the Rutgers game. He didn't go through first team reps most of the week. Uh, that was what I was told by quarterback Peyton Bender. And then, you know, they figured they got him on on Saturday, and he kind of just stepped in there and you know had a huge rushing game. He's a guy. I think he was named the New Orleans uh, High School Player of the Year this past year. I mean, he's the type of recruit that Kansas doesn't typically get. He was. Ended up ranked 175th overall in Rivals, and he's, if you want to just look at the Rivals numbers, he's the second highest recruit that KU has ever gotten out of high school, you know, since Rivals started their rankings in like 98 or 99. So he is a difference maker, and you saw, uh, I broke down on on, on uh, in a blog kind of a couple of his runs, good blocking from K's receivers and, you know, some kind of bad technique from Central Michigan, but he also makes a cut and has enough speed to do things that other running backs Uh, aren't able to do. And so he's a flashy player. He's kind of the talk of Lawrence right now, just how much difference can he make as a, as a skilled player, as a true freshman? And to be completely honest with you, I thought he completely, he changed the game for KU and Central Michigan because you have to realize when you lose 46 straight road games, even when KU was up seven, nothing, you almost have a sideline that's kind of waiting for something bad to happen, you know, waiting for the shoe to drop and for something, something to not go right. And then all of a sudden you're in that rut again. So, when Puka Williams broke that 20-yard run, and not only did he break it, he gets to the end zone and he high-steps in the end zone, it, it gave you a little bit of swagger. Again, it, it's tough to have swagger when you've lost 42 straight <laughs> voters, but it was just like this true freshman, first game, having fun. He didn't know any better. You know, he, he achieved to lead into the end zone. So I think that gave KU, KU's offense, defense, whole team a huge boost, and they followed that with an interception. Puka Williams had another 41-yard touchdown run, and from there, it was game over. And so I, I think he gave KU's sideline and team life when they really needed it and uh, that, that really can't be overlooked on a team that's really struggled in the past over the last few last few years just to give it a boost of uh, adrenaline confidence all those sorts of things who can I provide that and so I, I think he's a big part of Katie's game plan moving forward and big part of what might make them successful here in future league.
0: Joe Denine leads that defense for the Jayhawks I think leads them in tackles as well what does he bring from the linebacker position you know he really seems to have a nose for the football what does he bring to help lead that Kansas defense
2: well, he's a big part of the the team overall. You know, he's been a team captain for three straight years. This is his Redshirt senior season. I believe he's number one in the nation in tackles per game, if, if I don't have my numbers wrong, somewhere around there. And honestly, he didn't have a great first game against Nichols. You know, a couple times he missed a few tackles. Uh, tried to do a little bit too much in there. Um, but you know, he's a great great run stopper. Always in the right spot, um, or usually in the right spot. wasn't the first game, but but usually in the right spot can cover a couple different areas. He's really tried to work on his his pass defense and his coverage skills. Cause that was a part that was lacking. And like I talked about, he had an interception last game. It was his first in 40 career games. So um, that was a, you know, a huge moment for him as, as something he's trying to work on and trying to work his way into an NFL player. Some of the feedback he got last year was, he could have been like a, a seventh round or undrafted pick, but he decided to come back to Kansas. Uh, he's a Lawrence native. So this means a lot to him is, Grandpa played basketball for Fog Allen. His dad played football at KU. know, has all sorts of uh, family history with it. And he wanted to come back for one more year and, and to see if he could have some uh, some positives in this final year. But, yeah, you'll see a guy that uh, plays at a good speed. Again, mostly a sound tackler when he's in there, getting better in coverage skills, and then just sort of the heart and soul of the defense. Along with, you know, I don't want to not mention Daniel Wise up front. Daniel Wise on the defensive line is another guy who can be a real difference maker. But um, a lot of what they do sometimes is take up take up offensive linemen so that Denine can make the tackles. And he's as sure a tackler as Kansas has had in quite some time. So those are the two main guys to look for on the defense. Uh, Denine and Wise are, are the two playmakers to all Big 12 preseason selections. And uh, they they are the ones definitely that other teams, I, I would assume the first two they were looking at when, they, when they're when they doing their scouting report.
0: You know, Kansas is in some unusual territory, right? First off, they're coming off a, a road win. Second off, they're, they're favorites going into this game. I think the first time uh, they've, been a favorite against the power five team i think since 2009 how has the team i guess kind of responded to being the favorite in a game you know the first time in so long and you know it's interesting because Rutgers fans have this game circled as a win but you know at the same time so can kansas fans so how do you think uh, uh the players are kind of reacting to not really being in that underdog role this game
2: you know we're going to talk to them later this week when they have media availability. but it is a fascinating thing because this is like you said, this is uncharted territory for Kansas, and it's it's weird to say this. I mean, it, this sounds ridiculous to the outside people and and people I talk to. But again, when, when you break a road losing streak that predates iPads and Instagram, oh my and gosh. The last road win was when Barack Obama was in his first year of his presidency of his presidency. Uh, yeah, you're talking about some crazy things that are happening around the program and, and some crazy streaks that are being broken. Not only was it 46 road games, it was 49 games away from Memorial Stadium because they played Missouri. Three times at Arrowhead Stadium, so you got to count. You know, you can count those three losses as well. You know, I, going into the year, I was picking out the schedule, and I—I I don't blame Rutgers fans for circling Kansas as a win on the schedule because that's what everybody does. I mean, that's when you face Kansas, you think that's—that's going to be a win. But you know, I thought that Nicholas Day would be tough for KU just because they would have expectations placed upon them. I mean, it's an FCS opponent. You're coming in as a home game. Uh, you're supposed to win. Basically, the rest of the eleven games. KU isn't going to be expected to win, most likely. And so KU, I picked the close game in that one. Nickel State ended up winning in overtime. I don't think Kansas handled that very well. Central Michigan, uh, KU was not expected to win, but uh, once it happened, now, yeah, there's some positive vibes with the program, and you're thinking, okay, now what's next for this Kansas team? And I didn't expect them to be a three point favorite against Rutgers, but I thought it'd be around to pick them. Um, and this KU team has not won consecutive games since 2011. So it's been seven seasons since they won back-to-back games. I'm not talking like non-conference conference. conference, I'm talking back-to-back games. I looked it up. KU has not been a home favorite against a Power 5 team since October of 2009. So, yes, I mean, I don't know how the players are going to react. I don't know if the coaches know how the players are going to react. We know they didn't react very well in the first week. Uh, That's coaches and players combined when they lost to Nichols State. But uh, it's pretty crazy right now to think, hey, KU is a Power 5 home favorite home favorite. I mean, playing at home had not been favored in a game over a Power 5 team since 2009. So, uh, yeah, this is definitely not something that KU is used to, and so that is a big question going into this one is, how will KU handle success? How will KU handle some expectations placed upon them after a, a big win last week? And so uh, I think a lot of fans are, are ready to see this. Just what happens this week when when KU football has a, a little bit to play for and, and a few people, including some in Vegas, believing that they're going to win.
0: All right, last one, Jesse. I got to kind of put you on the spot here. Your opinion: Who wins on Saturday? Who comes out victorious?
2: Tough to go away from my preseason prediction because um, I actually had a crazy uh, when I picked him game by game. I picked KU three and zero, and actually that's you know it's not far off. If KU would just taking care of business against Nickel State and you know had one more fist, missed field goal by Nickel State or or, you know, made one more play down the stretch. But um, I haven't made my official pick for the Kansas State story yet. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be a good game. I'll probably pick Kansas in a close one at home. But I will say, just based off past history, uh, it's not one I feel super confident in. I, I, I just feel like these two programs, when I looked early in the season, uh, there was some Vegas odds out, and both teams were like 400-1 to one to win their conferences. And so this is a huge opportunity for both teams because they're playing a team that is similar to them when it comes to where their standing is in the power five conference. So if you're Rutgers, there's a great chance to get a road victory, great chance to get a power five. win. If you're Kansas, it's a great chance to improve to two and one, win consecutive games for the first time in seven years and, uh, win consecutive games, you know, uh, get, get to two and one, which doesn't happen in Kansas football, at least not for a decade. So I'll probably take Kansas in close one, but I, I would not be surprised by a result either way.
0: You can follow him on Twitter at Jesse Newell. Right for the Kansas City Star. Jesse, thanks so much for coming on the On the Banks podcast. All right, appreciate it. Thanks. Time to make some bets. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. Sports betting is legal in the country and is already up and running in New Jersey, among other states. To talk about this week's line and to give his pick on the Rutgers-Kansas game, I am now pleased to be joined by a poker pro and On the Banks contributor, TJ Jurkevich. TJ, thanks so much for coming on again this week.
3: No problem, Lance. Let's get into it.
0: So let's talk about this line. You know, Kansas for the first time in in years really opened up as a favorite against the Power 5 team. I believe the line opened with Kansas as a three-point favorite over the Scarlet Knights. When you saw how it opened, I guess, what was your initial reaction? What what were your thoughts when you saw?
3: I expected this line to open up uh, about Kansas minus two, two and a half. Uh, I wasn't that shocked by it as much as other Rutgers fans. I think this is like a... Kind of a reality check for a lot of Rutgers fans. This is just this is just the way things are now. Uh, yeah, I expected it to be two, two and a half. Opened up at three, and it's sort of settled there.
0: And you know, I think what went into the line a little bit was the uncertainty when it first opened regarding Art Sitkowski and the shoulder injury he sustained against Ohio State. How do you think the concerns surrounding Art? Affected the opening opening line, and now that he's healthy, how have you seen the line move since it was, uh you know, announced that he will play on Saturday?
3: See, I thought that it would have uh, a much bigger impact than it actually has. uh The line is still three. That's the basic line, pretty much everywhere. There are some Kansas minus two and a halfs. There are some Kansas actually minus three and a halfs now. So it, it's sort of. It sort of hasn't had the impact that I thought it would. Uh, This game just probably isn't being bet on a lot across the country, so that's why the line isn't really shifting that much.
0: And I guess, look, overall, fans wondering where to put their money. What would you advise them to do for Saturday's game?
3: This game honestly feels like a toss-up to me. I mean, Rutgers should win the game, but being at Kansas, they just came off a pretty impressive road victory. They have a really good true freshman running back. Rutgers should win this game. They need to— win the turnover battle, but uh, I would take Rutgers getting the three. Uh, I don't feel as confident as I did last week uh, taking Ohio State minus 34 or 33, but uh, yeah, I would take Rutgers this week, just not super confidently.
0: TJ's pick this week, take Rutgers. TJ, thank you so much for coming on, and we look forward to next week against Buffalo. No problem, Lance. Follow SB Nation on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation, and you can find out when Our next podcast is debuting.